Well, good morning, church. How's everybody doing this morning? It's, it's nice to see you. Hope everyone is well. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19. And we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 11 this morning. Verses 1 through 11 this morning. Do you remember a time in your life when you felt like you were an outsider looking in? Maybe it was at a new job and you were there on your first day of the new job and, and everybody at the job knew exactly what they were supposed to be doing, but you were kind of the new guy or the new girl and you were there and, and you kind of felt out of place. You were an outsider looking in. Or maybe it was before you were married and, and you went with your future spouse for the very first time to, to their family's house. And, and maybe it was a big family, maybe it was a small family, but you kind of felt at first kind of out of place. You were an outsider looking in. Or maybe it was another time in your life where you went to a church for the very first time. You were a visitor at that church and everybody knew everybody. You were just a visitor. And you were at that church. And, and everybody knew what to do, where to go, and, and how things took place. But you were an outsider looking in. Maybe a time in your life you were at a party or, or around a group of peers. And, and you just felt like an outsider. Everybody knew each other, but you were kind of the, the lone wolf. And you felt like an outsider looking in. Maybe this morning you can think of someone that was or is an outsider. And you were the insider. I ask you the question, how did I, how did you respond to the outsider? Let's look, would you look with me in Luke chapter 19... We're going to look at verses 1 through 11. The Bible says, He entered, talking about Jesus, Jericho, and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him. For he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down. For I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and re And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone out to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, 
I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house since he has also, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. And they heard these things. He proceeded to tell a parable because he was near to Jerusalem and because they supposed that the kingdom of God was to appear immediately. Now before we look at this wonderful story about Zacchaeus, I want us to back up just a little bit in the book of Luke to chapter 9. And in chapter 9, verse 50, Peter has confessed Christ. We're all familiar with the story that Peter confesses Christ. And, and Jesus had predicted his death for the second time. The disciples were actually argue, arguing on who would be the greatest in the kingdom of God. And Jesus is asked by his disciples if they should stop someone else that was not following them from casting out demons. And Jesus responded to the disciples, no, if they are not against us, they are for us. And then in chapter 9, verse 51, the Bible says, when the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face, talking about Jesus, to go to Jerusalem. What a pivotal verse in the book of Luke when, when Jesus sets his face for you and for myself to seek a lost world, to die and to shed his blood for sinners. He sets his face towards Jerusalem to die for you and for me. This verse in chapter 9, verse 51, it actually begins the journey for Jesus. Often, uh, this journey is he's setting his eyes towards Jerusalem, wandering from place to place, teaching, heading towards Jerusalem to fulfill the role for, of suffering Messiah. You know, many stories and parables from, from chapter 9 to this point in chapter 19, many stories and parables in the gospel of Luke are concerned with God's special care for the poor and the outcast. All of these parables or stories in some way carry the theme of reversal. Humble outsiders receive blessings and commendation while prideful insiders suffer rebuke and loss. Some of these parables in the book of Luke are in chapter 10 verse 29 through 37, the good Samaritan where a despised Samaritan, an outsider, ends up being the true neighbor of one of the fellow Jews. In chapter 12, we see the rich fool produces a plentiful crop. He chooses to store it all up for a life of luxury. And God rebukes him as a fool. 
This parable teaches us the danger of greed and that all of our gifts are from God and should be used for his glory. We see another story in chapter 15 of Luke. We actually see three different parables. One through 32, the lost coin, the lost sheep, and the lost son. While the loss of something valuable, whether a coin, a sheep, or even a prodigal son, results in sadness and grief. But finding those things brings great joy and celebration. The, the, the moral of this par- these parables are while the religious leaders turn their back on sinners, the father rejoices when one comes to repentance. In chapter 18, right before we see the story of Zacchaeus, in verse 9 through 14, we see a shocking uh, story about a Pharisee and a tax collector. And, and Jesus shocks the audience when, by telling the parable about two men praying in the temple, while despised but repentant tax collector receives forgiveness from God. A religious but hypocritical Pharisee does not. This shows that God requires not an outward show of of religiosity, but an inward heart of humility. This morning, as we look at the story of Zacchaeus in Luke 19, we see that first of all, there was a buzz in the community. You see, we see in, chap- in verse 1, we see that Jesus, actually Jesus was entering Jericho. He was coming in to Jericho. And we see right before this in, in 18 that Jesus had healed a blind beggar. And as Jesus is entering into Jericho, there's crowds and crowds of people around Jesus. And Pastor Scott did such an awesome job last week preaching about exhaustion and how even Jesus got exhausted. And here Jesus had all these people around him setting his face is set towards Jerusalem. And the people keep following Jesus. And the Bible says that he is passing, he is, he entered Jericho and was passing through. We know that Jesus had been teaching with authority. He had been healing folks. He, and he was approaching Jericho. You know, it's, it's almost like in our day and time that, that in the Super Bowls tonight, and we're, I'm sure there's lots of paparazzi there at the Super Bowl. And, and if we could be, and Jesus didn't come to be a rock star. Jesus came to die for our sins and to shed his blood for our sins. But if you can imagine it in our day and time, if Jesus walked on this earth, there would be almost like a paparazzi around him. And they were, the people were following him to get what they could get from Jesus. He enters Jericho. Jericho is one of the oldest walled cities in the world. From Jerusalem, it's 17 miles of winding road. A very dangerous, dangerous road. It is the road to Jericho. Jericho is known as one of the oldest cities in the world. 
and the parable of the Good Samaritan that I mentioned a few minutes ago was on that road to Jericho. That's how Jesus could relate through that parable because that road to Jericho was dangerous. That road to, uh, to Jericho, many people were robbed and, and abused on that road. We're familiar with Jericho because of Joshua chapter 6. We know about the Israelites and that Jericho was in lockdown for fear of the Israelites. And, and Joshua had very specific instructions to, to, to march around, the warriors to march around Jericho for six days. And we all know the story that the walls came tumbling down. We see in, in Mark uh, chapter 10 and in Matthew chapter 20 that Jesus is said to have passed through Jericho twice when he cured two blind men. So we know that Jesus is entering Jericho. He's amongst a huge crowd. And then we we're introduced in chapter 19 of this guy named Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, I like to picture Zacchaeus in this story as a seeker. Because Zacchaeus, who was he? So here we go. Jesus is, is entering Jericho and all these, this crowd of people, hundreds of people are following Jesus. And here is Zacchaeus. The Bible says he was a chief tax collector. And chief means corrupt. There's no way around it. We cannot get past the story in Luke 19 without calling out how corrupt that Zacchaeus was. And the people cared nothing for him. During Jesus' public ministry, Tiberius would have been, was, was the emperor. And, and the cost for maintaining the Roman Empire was enormous. Roman, the Rome imposed a variety of taxes on the citizens from direct tax to land tax to indirect tolls or customs on goods in transit. And the right to collect indirect taxes was given to the highest bidder. Members of the Roman equestrian class usually won the bid, who would often use tax for farmers or publicans to collect this tax. And that's who, who Zacchaeus was probably a, a tax farmer or a publican. This opened the door for great abuse and corruption. Rome did not control the search is imposed by the agents. So Zacchaeus had the authority over, to, over tax collectors what he wanted to upcharge. He probably had somebody uh, underneath him, uh, a subordinate to, to the tax farmer. So, so Zacchaeus probably had folks underneath him that were subordinates to collecting the tax from the people. So he had folks that worked with him to collect the tax. If you look in Mark chapter 2 verse 14, uh, Levi, when called by Jesus, was a subordinate to a tax farmer. He was in his tax booth and, and Jesus called him on the roadside as he was probably collecting customs on goods in transit. 
You see, it's important to, to, to show that taxation was devastating to the poor. Taxation was devastating to poor farmers and craftsmen. People did not like tax collectors. Not only due to what they did, but it was because of the fact that, that chief tax collectors worked for Rome. Zacchaeus was an ultimate outcast. He was short. The Bible tells us that he was short. And in the ancient world and, and even in our society sometimes, uh, as you watch movies, and, and sometimes the bad guy are the midgets, right? And, and, but Zacchaeus in the ancient world, he was considered to, uh, to be someone who was conniving, suspicious, and bad. And the Bible says he was rich. The definition of rich is one who views their possessions as their own. And at this point in Zacchaeus' life, he's viewing his possessions as his own. You know, Jesus strongly warns us of the destructive power of riches. And the Beatitudes in Luke, he pronounces not only blessings to the poor and oppressed, but woes against the rich and the self-sufficient. In Luke chapter 6, verse 20, it says, And he lifted up his eyes on his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God, but woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. We see in Mark chapter 10, Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how difficult it would be for those who have wealth to enter into the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said to them again, children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. So here we see Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector. He was very rich and many folks had written him off. But Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus. Zacchaeus was desperate to see Jesus. He, Zacchaeus had been close and saw Jesus, possibly had, had, had been close and, and saw Jesus heal folks. Possibly Zacchaeus had heard the, the stories um, that, about Jesus sitting with tax collectors and, and sinners. Maybe because we know Jesus was very close when he healed the blind beggar Maybe Zacchaeus saw that. But Zacchaeus had heard something about Jesus that drove him just to want to get a glimpse of Jesus. Just to see Jesus is what Zacchaeus wanted. You see in Mark chapter 2, we see that it says in verse 15 and 16, it's talking about Jesus. He reclined at the table in his house. Many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. For there were many who followed him. And the scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, said to his disciples, why does he eat 
with tax collectors and sinners. So possibly Zacchaeus being an outsider looking in, you could only imagine with me how Zacchaeus truly felt as an outcast. Maybe he had heard stories about Jesus eating with sinners and, and tax collectors. But, but Zacchaeus, as a chief tax collector, having lots of money, being very hated in his land, you have to think that Zacchaeus was lonely at times. You have to think that Zacchaeus struggled with very low self-esteem. You have to think that that Zacchaeus was socially disconnected. He was used to people putting him off. He probably had very little friends. And anyone and everyone needs friendship. Which could have led Zacchaeus to being depressed, despondent, and unhappy with life. Zacchaeus, we have to imagine that he was in search of something real, something with meaning in his life. Maybe for such a time he hid behind a mask of being a chief tax collector. And maybe that was his identity. And that was what he was putting his his trust in. But then there was a point possibly right here that we see that, that Zacchaeus was tired and sick of hiding behind the mask. And at this point, he was desperate for something real in his life. Maybe you this morning can relate to Zacchaeus. Maybe you've hid behind the face and and you feel like an outsider. You're lonely, you're dealing with depression, you're unhappy with life. Everything that you put your trust in, worldly stuff, has let you down. Maybe this morning you can relate to Zacchaeus. You know, sometimes if we're not careful, sometimes we may have the tendency to want to disconnect with outsiders. As Christians, as believers, as followers of Jesus Christ, we may have the tendency of of wanting to disconnect from other races or the tendency to, to, uh, to disconnect with those of different sexual orientations. Maybe... We have the tendency of wanting to shun and, and, and treat transgenders as outsiders. Maybe it's the political world. The politicians that, that don't believe like we believe. And maybe we, we've lost all hope that God can change that life and we've placed them on the outside. Deep down, feeling there's no hope. You know, we all need Jesus. We all need a relationship with Jesus Christ. And as a church, we can never, we can never bow down to sin. We have to stand on the word of God and we have to speak up and stand up for what sin is because sin will destroy a life. So never has God called us to bat down from confronting sin. But God also has never called us 
to shun people and to act as if because we're on the inside, we cannot relate and love the outsiders. Although many people have wrote off Zacchaeus, Jesus, in his sovereignty, was on the way. You see, Jesus knew where Zacchaeus was, and he knows where you are right now. You see, I'm thankful that, that I did not find Jesus, but Jesus found me as a 13-year-old teenager. I was, I was not seeking Jesus, but Jesus somehow found me and changed my life and placed my life on the solid rock and gave me joy and peace that is everlasting, not only as I walk on this earth knowing that Christ is with me, but also for eternity. I have, to have, I have no fear of death because I have Jesus in my life. We see in verse 4 of chapter 19 of Luke that Zacchaeus postures himself to see Jesus. We know that there's a crowd of people there's people everywhere, and the Bible says that he runs ahead and climbs up in this tree called a sycamore tree. A sycamore tree is a, is a very thick limb tree, and its branches a lot of times will, will flow to the very bottom of the ground. And I can just picture Zacchaeus being short in stature, running ahead of the crowd, getting ahead of that crowd running as fast as he can to the sycamore tree and climbing up in it, hoping that he can get one glimpse of Jesus. You see, I have to think of my childhood and you have to think back with me from your childhood how, how climbing trees is really a pastime. But I can remember going to my, to my grandmother's and I remember the tree. I could take you to it today that we went to my grandmother's and, and every time the joy of going there was climbing up in that tree. We would go out in the woods as, as boys and, and we had a tree house. And we'd climb up in that tree but I'll be honest, I've never climbed a tree since I've been an adult. And Zacchaeus was an adult, not only an adult, but a chief tax collector. And here Zacchaeus is so desperate just to see Jesus. He runs ahead and climbs up in the sycamore tree. Zacchaeus did not think of himself important enough for Jesus to notice. Zacchaeus did not think of himself of importance that Jesus would ever notice. But he wanted to see Jesus anyway. You see Mark 10 verses 14 and 15. Jesus says that, that let the children come to me. Do not hinder them. For to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. Zacchaeus was seeking Jesus almost like a child would seek his mother or his father or somebody popular. He was seeking Jesus. And he went 
He did desperate things just to get a glimpse. And then we see the climax of the story. Zacchaeus is up in the sycamore tree and we know Jesus is coming. We know the crowd's coming. And Zacchaeus is waiting, just waiting in expectation to see Jesus. And Zacchaeus was, uh, did not realize that he had a divine appointment that day with God. Zacchaeus was already Zacchaeus was already through God's sovereignty. Jesus had already called Zacchaeus by name. But we see in verse 5, he, he comes to the place. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up into the sycamore tree. And Jesus stopped. His face towards Jerusalem, the people all around him wanting what they could get, what they could pull from Jesus. And as he comes and arrives at the sycamore tree, he looks up and he calls Zacchaeus by name. I can hear Jesus saying now, Zacchaeus, hurry down from there. For I'm going to your house today. Jesus, with urgency, Zacchaeus comes. Urgency from Jesus, Zacchaeus calls him down. And we're going to see in just a few minutes, Zacchaeus, his quick response. He comes down from the tree. Jesus, as God, knew Zacchaeus. For he formed Zacchaeus in the womb of his mother. As God, Jesus knew Zacchaeus. But as God, Jesus also knew the sycamore tree. He knew exactly where that sycamore tree was. And you know the very details of your life this morning, God knows. He knows where you've been. He knows where you are. And he knows where you're going. And we can rest assured this morning that we serve a big God, a God that has good, good things, a Father that has good, good things in store for our life. We see in verse 6, Zacchaeus' quick response. As we look at, at what happens, we see Zacchaeus comes down quickly from that tree. Then we see this this conversation gets interrupted. And we see this in verse 7 because it gets interrupted by the complainers, by the crowd, the people, the hundreds of people we can imagine that was around Jesus, that was standing with Jesus at that sycamore tree. And they begin to complain, thinking, Jesus, what in the world are you doing? You see, they started to grumble by saying Jesus should have nothing to do with Zacchaeus, a sinner. They believed that holiness meant having nothing to do with sinners and shunning them. They thought if Jesus really was a prophet or rabbi, then he should have had nothing to do with Zacchaeus. We too, in our society, can easily fall in to this trap. When we feel that someone is unworthy of God, we not only insult the, that person, but we also insult God. We must concern ourselves with our own unworthiness. 
that the message from Jesus to the, that was a message of Jesus to the Pharisees, that Zacchaeus is just like us. The crowd is in so many ways just like us. But Zacchaeus was in need of a savior. Romans 3.23, we all fall short of God's glory. But the grumbling crowd is there. And you know when you're around a grumbling, grumbling crowd, whether it's at church or at school or in the workplace, a grumbling, a grumbling crowd is dangerous. We see in Exodus 16.8, the entire Israelite community was complaining in the wilderness, thinking they were going to starve. God was leading them, giving them bread from heaven, and the crowd started a grumble, thinking that they were going to starve. In Numbers 14.27, we see God was frustrated at the complaints, and they were serious consequences. Judgment from God, justice from a holy God. God said, as surely as I live, says the Lord. In James 5, 9, it says, do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. And then in Jude 1, 16, we see that these are grumblers, malcontents, following their own sinful desires. They are loudmouth boasters, showing favoritism to gain advantage. False teachers, arrogant. They use flattering words to get your attention. You see, the, the people there, the grumblers, they thought that Jesus would save the day for them. They wanted the hand of Jesus. But they did not want the heart of Jesus like Zacchaeus wanted. You see, they thought, the people thought the kingdom of God was going to take place immediately. And they thought, they knew Jesus was, they were hoping Jesus was the Messiah. They had heard his words. They had saw him heal. But they thought that the, the, the Messiah would defeat their enemies, which at the time was the Roman government. Their hope, a time of glory, justice, righteousness for Israel is what the people were thinking. And they thought this hope, this hope, earthly hope was in Jesus. This is who the people thought that Jesus was. And they were ready to make him king. The crowd was looking for a king to save them from earthly bondage. But Zacchaeus was looking for a king to save him from eternal bondage. You see, this morning, it's so easy to get caught up in politics and government. It's easy to put our trust in man. It's easy to put our trust in Congress or the president. But our trust needs to be, our allegiance needs to be to the king that has freed us from eternal bondage. So we see in verse 8, true repentance leads to actions. We see Zacchaeus in verse 8. We see that Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, 
the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I had defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house since he also is a son of Abraham. We see true repentance here in Zacchaeus. Four times as much back to anyone he extorted from. Zacchaeus forsakes stinginess and greediness to turn to the poor in generosity. Not buying salvation. That's not what Zacchaeus was doing. But he was showing a change of heart. In church, this is a marvelous picture of repentance. Because when God changes a heart, when God extends salvation to a person, there is a change of heart. You no longer want to talk the way you used to talk. You no longer want to go to the places you used to go. You no longer want to continue in your sin. Now we still struggle with sin because we're on this earth. And one day, praise the Lord, we'll be in glory and we won't have to struggle anymore with sin. But as long as we're on this earth, we're going to struggle with sin. But that does not mean, as a believer, we should not desire sin in our life. We should be, by the power of God, seeking Him to get rid of all sin in our life. A marvelous picture of repentance we see with Zacchaeus. And then in verse 9, Jesus makes a declaration in front of the people, but too directly to Zacchaeus. He says, salvation has come to the house. God saves Zacchaeus. After he put him in a position to see and to know the Lord. And what's amazing in this is as I read the scriptures a few minutes ago, how hard Jesus taught. He taught how hard it was for a, a rich person to enter into the, the family of God, into the kingdom of God. And Jesus said, blessed are the poor. And then he taught the disciples how tough it was. And then Jesus goes into Jericho and calls a rich chief tax collector by name and he brings salvation to his house church that brings me to the question this morning is anything too hard for God is anything too hard for our God and the answer is is what Jeremiah said in 32 17 he said oh Lord God It is you who have made the heavens and the earth. By your great power and by your outstretched arm, nothing is too hard for you. And that leads us to verses 9 and 10. You see, the heart of Jesus is in verse 10. The heart of Jesus, when Jesus says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. This is why Jesus came. Was to seek the lost. Was to seek those who were hurting and needed a Savior. 
You see, being lost is a very rough thing. It disorients us and, and it gives us no confidence of, of whether to go forward or backwards. And this is where Zacchaeus was. He was lost. But Jesus came on the scene because that was why he was here while he was walking on earth not just yes to go to a cross to shed his blood for humanity and to rise a third day we rejoice in that but while he was here he was here to seek the lost and that was not the religious that was the ones that were deep in their sin the ones the world despised the ones that were outsiders looking in that were really empty inside or the ones that Jesus came for you see in closing this morning as a church I want to give us three points of application number one Jesus is looking for you he still seeks and saves the lost. Don't let the crowds or pride keep you from Jesus. Do all you can to see him. Don't let pride drive you deeper into lostness. Just as Zacchaeus left his sycamore tree, don't allow pride to keep you from leaving the place of comfortability. By not being obedient. Number two for the church is evangelism. Let us pray that we would not be camouflaged to sinners. Just as Jesus did, we must seek the lost. We must go to their home. We must be in their life and present to them Jesus. And number three, we exist to make disciples. From the four corners of our block to the four corners of the world. God has given us, Jesus gave us a great commission. And that great commission is to go. We cannot stay inside the four walls of the church. But God has called us to go outside of the four walls of the church. And show people what a relationship with Jesus Christ is. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we love you. Oh Jesus, I'm humbled and I'm awestruck by the story of Zacchaeus. So many times we think of it as a childhood story, but it's, it's so, so deep, Father, of the love that you have for us. That you came to, to seek the lost, to save the lost. And Lord Jesus, I pray right now that you would help us to be obedient to what you want us to do in this time. Father, I pray that there's one here that does not have a relationship with you. Father, maybe they're an outsider looking in. And they don't get it. They don't, they don't get what, what we're talking about or who you are, Jesus. Lord, I pray that this morning you would call out their name.
Father, I pray that we don't follow man. I pray that we won't follow each other. But Lord, I pray that we would follow you, seeking what you have for us. And Lord Jesus, I pray that pride would never get in our way of doing what you've called us to do here at Abner Creek. We love you. In Jesus' name. This morning, church, as we close, I want to invite you, just as Zacchaeus was after an encounter with Jesus, if you're here this morning and, and you're, in, you're an outsider looking in, well, you know Jesus, uh, Zacchaeus is now an insider looking out. I believe we'll see Zacchaeus one day in heaven. But if you're here this morning and you are outsider looking in, I just want to ask you, through the leading of God's Holy Spirit, if he prompts you, would you come? Matt's going to be here. I'm going to be here. Any way we can help, we will. Go to as God is leading and they can help you. But don't. Be, let's be obedient to what God has for us this morning. Church, just as Jesus called to Zacchaeus, he's calling to us. He's calling to us to not shun people who are different from us. Even though sometimes it's uncomfortable and, and we get fidgety and, and we want to automatically judgment rises up and that's natural because we want what's best for them. And we know that that sin is hurting their life. But God's never called us just to be inside. He's called us to go to the outsiders and to show them the way, the door. And that door is Jesus Christ. So I ask you this morning as we sing to be obedient to what God would have you to do.